0: God chose Israel because of the promises to their forefather, Abraham. God had tested Abraham and found him faithful. Some teach that God does not require anything. Salvation, they say, is a free gift. So the reasoning is God doesn't require anything of us in return for his salvation and favor. If that were true, why did God choose Abraham out of any number of others that might have been chosen? Now, don't misunderstand. Salvation is a free gift, gift, but it is not a gift that is given without conditions. We read in Genesis 18, beginning with verse 1. Genesis 18 and verse 1, Then the Lord appeared to him, that is to Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he saw three men before him, as it is in the Bible in basic English version. He ran from his tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found, now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts after that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, Do as you have said. so evidently Abraham thought these were just men passing by, and he was, uh, as was customary at the time, hospitable to strangers and offered them some rest and food and and, uh, refreshment. And so Abraham and Sarah served these three men a meal. And notice it says the Lord appeared to Abraham in the beginning of this passage of scripture that I read. These were not just ordinary men. These were the the, uh, one of them was in fact God. And God told Abraham and Sarah that Sarah who at 90 years old, was past the age of childbearing, would nevertheless have a child in a year, conceived miraculously through Abraham and Sarah by God's blessing and intervention. And then we go on in verse 16 of Genesis 18 and says, then the men, the men being Yahweh, the Lord, and evidently two angels who had visited Abraham rose up from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And so Abraham and Sarah had a son named Isaac, and Isaac did indeed keep the commandments, and the promise of blessings to Abraham's descendants was passed on through Isaac. Then we read in Genesis 26, beginning with verse 1, Genesis 26 and verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants, I give all these lands And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Later, Isaac's son Jacob, or Israel, became the one through whom the promises would be passed down to his descendants. And we read in Genesis 28, beginning in verse 10, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on top of the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put it to at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz or Luz previously. Now Bethel is Hebrew for house of God. That's where God had appeared to Jacob in this dream. Then we read in Genesis 35, beginning in verse 9. Genesis 35, verse 9. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in that place where he had talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. Bethel means, as mentioned, the house of God. God had appeared to Israel at Bethel, and thus it was named the house of God. In this sermon, I want to discuss the house of God and what God requires of those who build and dwell in his house. Many years after God spoke to Jacob at Bethel, God made a covenant with the descendants of Jacob, or Israel, as he was renamed. And they were called the people of Israel, and God brought them out of bondage in Egypt. And God told them that if they would keep his covenant, which, he, which they had agreed to at Mount Sinai, they would be blessed. And God told them, as we read in Leviticus 26, beginning with verse 3, Leviticus 26, and verse 3, God said, "'To the people of Israel, if you walk in my statutes "'and keep my commandments and perform them, "'then I will give to you rain in its season. "'The land shall yield its produce, "'and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. "'Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, "'and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. "'And you shall eat your bread to the full "'and dwell in your land safely. "'I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, "'and none will make you afraid.' I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. Going on in verse 9, he said, I will look on you favorably. Now remember this was contingent on them obeying God's laws. He said, I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you my tabernacle, my dwelling place and my soul shall not abhor you I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves I have broken the bands of your yoke yoke, and made you to walk upright so God promised that contingent on them obeying his statutes and his laws that he would make his home his his dwelling place with them and he would walk among them and he would be their God They would be his people but God also warned them that, that if they were not faithful curses would result including subjugation to their enemies He went on to tell them in verse 14 of Leviticus 26, If you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant, I will do this to you. I will appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Going on in verse 23, he said, If by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you, and I will punish you yet seven times for your sins, and I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. So they they had a choice. They could obey God's commandments, and God would dwell among them, He would be their God, they would be his people, and that would be where he dwelt. God decreed that a tabernacle be built in the wilderness after they had left Egypt, and it was to be the place where the presence of God was manifested among his people. Under Moses' leadership, the tabernacle was built, and later under Israel's king Solomon, the tabernacle was where God's presence was, was replaced by a more permanent structure, the temple in Jerusalem. At the time of the dedication of the temple after it was completed, Israel was gathered in Jerusalem at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, and the priests placed the Ark of the Covenant in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place. And when they came out, the Levites with singers, musical instruments, and 120 priests with trumpets began to, as it says in First Chronicles chapter 5, beginning verse 13, they began to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. It was then that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. After that, King Solomon made some remarks and offered a prayer. We read in 1 Chronicles 7 beginning in verse 1. 1 Chronicles 7 and verse 1, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down out of uh, came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory uh, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. So there was God's house, the temple of God, in the midst of the people of Israel, the nation. But the people of Israel, despite God's blessings and the fact that God dwelt among them in his temple, did not keep the covenant. And as time went on, they persisted in transgressing God's laws. So as he had warned, eventually the northern ten tribes of the nation of Israel were driven out of the land of promise and scattered among the nations. And so we read in 2 Chronicles 17, beginning in verse 1. 2 Chronicles 17, verse 1. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea the son of Elah became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned nine years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hoshea became his vassal and paid him tribute money. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to Saul, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in hollow by the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt and they had feared other gods. Now this invasion by the Assyrians was the final in a series of invasions of the Northern Kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians. And this final siege concluded sometime around 722 to 718 BC. Scholars differ on the precise year So there's some uncertainty about the exact year that the final siege ended and the people were, the last of them were taken into captivity, but sometime around 722-718 B.C. And then we read in 2 Kings 17, verse 15 and verses following, says, they, that is the people of the kingdom of Israel, rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them. Concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal, And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practiced witchcraft, and soothsaying, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed uh, removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. Now, after the time of Solomon, the nation had been divided between the northern ten tribes, and the nation was called Israel in the north, and then the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites formed another kingdom to the south that was called the kingdom of Judah. And after the Assyrians finished their invasions and drove Israel, the northern tribes, out of their land, only Judah remained, and other peoples were settled in what had been the land of the Israelites to the north. But the people of Judah also fell into even greater sin and depravity and they were driven out of their land about a hundred years later. Many from among the nation of Judah were taken into captivity in Babylon. As we read in 2 Kings 17 beginning verse 19, 2 Kings 17 verse 19, Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made, and the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. We read more about this in 2 Kings 25, beginning in verse 8. Second Kings 25, verse 8. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord and the king's house, all the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great, he burned with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with him, the captain of the guard, broke down the walls of Jerusalem all around. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried away captive the rest of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who had deserted to the king of Babylon with the rest of the multitude. So the city of Jerusalem was burned. The temple of God in Jerusalem was burned and leveled to the ground. The walls of the city were broken down, and most of the people of Judah who had not been slain were taken captive to Babylon. We read in 2 Chronicles 36, beginning with verse 11. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 11. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, king of Judah. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by an oath uh, swear an oath by God but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel moreover all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more so notice the corruption within the nation was pervasive and it was not only the king but the priests and the people who were transgressing more and more according to all the abominations of the nations, and defiled the house of the Lord, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young men or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand and all the articles from the house of God, great and small the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders. All these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, The word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be filled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. May the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. Now, 70 years of domination by the rulers of Babylon had been prophesied by Jeremiah. The 70-year period is calculated in the Kyla Adelich commentary from 606 BC when Judah fell under Babylonian domination to 536 BC when Cyrus the Persian gained sole supremacy over Babylon and issued the decree allowing the return of Jews to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. A little over a year later, the foundation of the temple was laid in 535 uh, B.C. We read in Ezra 3, beginning in verse 8, Ezra 3 and verse 8, now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, the son of uh, uh, Josadak, and the rest of the brethren, the priests, and the Levites, and all those who had come out of captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel with his sons and the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God the sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But after the foundation of the temple had been laid, there was interference from the Samaritans, the people to the north who had replaced the Israelites, who had been driven out, and the work stopped, not to begin again for 16 years. In 520 BC with the encouragement of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah the work began again and the temple was completed in 516 now it's interesting not only that the decree was issued from 70 years from 606 BC but the temple was completed 70 years from the date that the temple had been destroyed by the babylonians so the temple was completed in 516 but the city would was not to be fully restored until decades later during the period when the temple foundation had been laid but no further progress was made that period of about 15 years the jews in judah did not prosper God did not bless them because the work of building his temple was not urgent to them as it ought to have been. We read in Haggai, beginning in verse 1, Haggai 1 and verse 1, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zer- Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's, Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Says the Lord, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the presence of the Lord Then Haggai, Haggai the Lord's messenger spoke the Lord's message to the people saying I am with you says the Lord so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius, So God promised that if they would get their priorities straight and do the work of building the temple, that he would be with them and bless them. But he also admonished them that they had to repent and that they must not repeat the errors of their predecessors. The prophet Micah had prophesied shortly before the destruction of Samaria, and his words tell why Israel and Judah had gone into captivity. He tells the people of Israel and Judah that God had shown them what was good and what God required of them. As we read in Micah 6, beginning verse 8, Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown to you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord's voice cries to the city, Wisdom shall see your name. Hear the rod who has appointed it. Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked and the short measure that is in that is in abomination? Shall I count pure those with the wicked scales and with the bag of deceitful weights? For her rich men are full of violence. Her inhabitants have spoken lies and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore I will also make you sick by striking you, by making you desolate because of your sins. You shall eat but not be satisfied, hunger shall be in your midst. You may carry some away but shall not save them, and what you do rescue I will give over to the sword. You shall sow but not reap, you shall tread the olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. And I will make sweet and you uh, and you, uh, you will make sweet wine, but not drink wine. For the statutes of Omri are kept and the works of Ahab's house are done. Omri and Ahab were wicked kings of Israel. And you walk in their councils that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing. Therefore you shall bear the reproach of my people. So these were reasons that God drove the people of Israel and Judah out of their homeland Israel was rebuked for pervasive cheating, lying, and walking in the customs of the heathen. They had been told that they were to to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly before God. But these things they had refused to do, and so their land was laid waste. Zechariah, the prophet who was prophesying at the time of the rebuilding of the temple much later, also rehearsed the errors of the past when the people had not been faithful to God. We read in Zechariah chapter 1, beginning verse 1, In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, Did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, Just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us according to our ways and according to our deeds, so has he dealt with us. Zechariah reminded the people of the errors of the past and of what God expected of them. In Zechariah 7, beginning in verse 8, Zechariah 7 and verse 8, The word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion. Everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders, and stopped their ears so that they could not hear. Notice why they could not hear. It was because they refused to heed they shrugged their shoulders and they stopped their ears it was not because they had not been told that they did not understand it was because they refused to understand what god had instructed them and so it goes on to say yes they made their hearts like flint refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed, and they would not hear. So they called out, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them like a whirlwind among the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them, so that no one passed through or returned, and for they made the pleasant land desolate. But God promised the people who had returned from captivity that they would prosper if they did as he required. Zechariah 8 goes on to to, uh, relate, beginning in verse 9, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, You who have been hearing in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets who spoke in the day the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord of hosts that the temple might be built. The prophets he's speaking of were primarily himself and Haggai. Going on in verse 14, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Just as I determined to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts, and I would not relent. So again, in these days I am determined to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Do not love a false oath. For all these things are things that I hate, says the Lord. So God keeps repeating the same principles, the same ideas as to what he required of the people among whom he would dwell, among whom he would make his home. Now we too, we too here today are involved in the work of building a house for God. But the house being built through us is a spiritual temple. If our work is to be blessed, if the temple is to stand it must be built on the solid foundation of jesus christ and the kind of character that matches his example and his requirements we cannot allow opposition to discourage us nor be distracted by the things of the flesh we read in ephesians 2 beginning in verse 19 ephesians 2 and verse 19 now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners the fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, that is their teachings and writings, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, he was the one who authorized or authored those writings of the apostles and prophets through his spirit in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we, that is the church of God, is the temple of God. It is God's dwelling place in the Spirit. Now, unfortunately, in the history of what is called Christianity by the world, men have sought to build on another foundation, a false foundation, a foundation of human tradition, a foundation of falsehoods. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day had the temple in Jerusalem, the place where God ostensibly was to dwell. They had the scriptures, but they had lost their way, just as the people in previous generations had done. It was in the temple that Jesus said to the leaders among the Pharisees, as we read in John 8, beginning with verse 44. John 8, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. Now, he was speaking in the temple of God in Jerusalem to leaders among the Jews, and he said, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. Their religion was impure. It had become a religion of human tradition that had superseded God's word. And in a, in, in a similar way, the popular Christianity of the world is also a religion of false traditions and practices largely borrowed from pagan philosophy and religion that is contrary to God's word. Erasmus was a brilliant man who was steeped in the popular Christianity of his time in the 15th and 16th centuries. Erasmus was aware of the corruption and many of the falsehoods that lay at the root of the popular religion. But he wrote to a friend, quote, piety requires that we sometimes conceal the truth. And he went on to say, perhaps we must admit with Plato that lies are useful to the people. That lies are useful to the people. Admitting that his religion was a a religion founded on lies. That was permeated with lies and falsehoods. Now, to his credit, Erasmus eventually exposed some of the hypocrisy and lies of that religion in his writings. William Manchester, in writing of that world dominated by what was called Christianity, writes in his book, A World Lit Only by Fire, quote, "...although they called themselves Christians, Medieval Europeans were ignorant of the Gospels, they were indistinguishable from pagans. The popular church, claiming to represent Christianity, persecuted pioneer astronomers Galileo and Copernicus for heresy because they disputed the pagan philosopher Ptolemy's ideas of the nature of the universe around which had grown up an edifice of superstitions and lies fostered by the church that claimed to be the church of Christ, church of God. Englishmen, England at that time was dominated by that same church. The English at that period were notorious for their false weights. And Rome... The supposed capital of Christianity, the seat of men who falsely claimed to be the successors of the Apostle Peter, was widely regarded as the capital of sin, the capital of Christianity, the capital of sin. Most conspicuous and blatant sins were many in the hierarchy of the great church headquartered in Rome, beginning with the popes and including most of the rest of the officialdom of that church. Common sins among them included hypocrisy, lying, extortion, murder, incest, adultery, fornication, idolatry, and a host of other crimes. These were sins that permeated that society, that permeated that church. Now, if God rejected the nations of Israel and Judah for these same types of sins, why would he not reject a church permeated with the same types of behavior? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. To build on that foundation means to build on his word, the truth of scripture, not flawed human traditions, which are a false foundation. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 24, Matthew 7 verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, notice whoever hears these sayings, his teachings, his word, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So is God's church built on a foundation of sand or on a foundation that is solid, the foundation of God's word? We collectively are the temple if we are part of the true church of God. The church of God, the true church, is the temple of God in the spirit. God dwells in that church insofar as we yield to him and do his will as expressed in his word. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4 and verse 15, it says that we, the people of God's church, are to speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be you kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. If we are God's church, if we are His temple, we are to reflect His character and proclaim His praises. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, evil and all evil speaking, or envy and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, and if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to Him as... "...to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. And you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Each member of God's church has his part to do in the business of building up the spiritual house of God, the dwelling place of his spirit, the temple in which he dwells. So let's understand what God requires of us and do it.